This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 352 with Kim Strobel. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 352. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Kim Strobel is a teacher, a consultant, a speaker, a happiness coach, and an aspiring author, and her personal life is just as full. When she's not firing up educators with her signature mix of excitement and experience, she's a diehard runner, an advocate for her community's abandoned animals, and a family-oriented gal who loves spending time with her husband, Scott, their four children, two grandkids, and three pups. It might be tempting to believe that the chief happiness officer has never known a rough day, but the truth is Kim has been through some darkness for sure, and she definitely believes that to live through the darkness allows you to thrive in the light. She spent her childhood and teen and young adult years dealing with panic attacks and crippling fear. Diagnoses of a seizure disorder and full panic disorder followed with a burgeoning fear that she would never be able to achieve her dreams. In this interview, Kim and I are going to dive into what living with panic disorder has looked like for her, how she was able to seek treatment and really have a lot of success in healing herself, and also what a relapse has looked like for her and how she's managed that in the face of being a happiness coach. So this is a really fantastic interview. You're really going to get a great look into what it looks like when someone is struggling with something like panic disorder, something like really intense anxiety, and how you can move forward from something that is so life crippling. So listen in to hear Kim share how she endured eight years living with panic disorder, having 25 panic attacks a day at times, how medical 
medical intervention and CBD therapy saved her life, how to retrain your brain toward happiness. She's going to talk about the components of happiness and long-term happiness. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek here that 50% of your long-term happiness is genetic. 10% is external circumstances, like the things that happen to us. And 40% of your long-term happiness is self-controlled and self-managed. So there's a lot of opportunity in there for you to have control over managing and cultivating your happiness. Kim is also going to talk about five happiness habits, and she's going to talk about, we're going to talk about this together, her identity and what identity looks like when you are working to be an amazing model for your child and you think you might be screwing up and what the reality is in terms of what your kids really see of you, even when you think you might be showing up really imperfectly. So this was a fun conversation. Kim has super high energy. She's a great friend of mine, a colleague. I'm so blessed to have her in my life. And I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. So without further ado, let's dive in with Kim Strobel. Kim Strobel, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. I am thrilled to be here, Miss Sarah. This is going to be fun. So I have to give a little background. We know each other. We are both members of Rachel Rogers Million Dollar Badass Group. So we are very much aspiring to be million dollar badasses ourselves, right? And we're well on our way. Oh, yeah, girl. We absolutely are. We've had so much fun being in this group together. And we finally we got to meet in person a couple months ago. And it was like old friends meeting. Finally. It was incredible, wasn't it? I thought it was incredible. It was so, so fun. So I'm excited to have you here today so that we get to dive into some of this goodness together and share. I think that we both have this sense that like when we put our brains together, the sum is greater than the parts. And so I'm excited to share that with the listeners today. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay. So I want you to tell us about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Okay. So I am married. I have four kids. And I actually, you know, was a school teacher for a number of years and kind of went into leadership and became a curriculum director. And then I launched my own struggle education consulting business. And I travel around the country and give professional development training to teachers. And I do a lot of motivational speaking. But then that was not enough in itself. I found myself really drawn to helping women truly rise up to be the very best version of themselves. And so I started KimStrobel.com and that's my second business. And I do a lot of motivational speaking around that particular topic. And I'm just really interested in getting women to truly understand that they have this authentic power inside of them um, and to tap into that. You know, we have to tap into that girl and we need each other to be able to do it. Absolutely. So you are a happiness coach. Tell everyone what a happiness coach is and and what a happiness coach does. Yeah. So I am a happiness coach. And it's so funny that you bring this up because someone in my Women Rising Facebook group yesterday said, what does it feel like to be happy all of the time? And so... (laughs) I had to clear that up because being a happiness coach means that I understand the research behind positive psychology. I understand how to apply it in my personal life as well as in the corporate trainings that we do. But it does not mean that I just go around with like sugars and sprinkles and cupcakes all of the time. (laughs) 
And so like I even have to clear my mom up on that because I will be having a bad day or I'll be stressed out or upset. And my mom will say something like, well, you are the happiness coach. So come on. And I'm like, mom, it is not about pushing our feelings away. Like, I think we have this culture right now of positivity where it's like, Mm. oh, just be positive, just be positive. And what that sends the message is, is you're not allowed to feel bad feelings. And that's a problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like we have to be able to have our feelings of whatever, anger or sadness or pissed offness. Like we're allowed to have those feelings. But I also know how to bounce back quicker from those feelings. So I'm not like down in the gutters as long. And so I have more resiliency about me and I am way happier a lot of the time, Sarah, but it doesn't mean that the happiness coach is not crying on her office floor someday. (laughs) I love the honesty and the clarification around that. And it reminds me of being a personal trainer and everyone assuming that like you're always in the best shape of your life. Like it's just, that's not how it works. It may mean that you have expertise around the tools and expertise around like the history and the philosophies and all that but it does not mean that you always have a six pack. So No, yeah. Like, don't call me a guru. I am a practitioner yes. and a learner of happiness and I'm imperfectly doing it all myself, but I am doing it, you know? I love that, that being the practitioner mm-hmm. makes, makes a ton of sense. Okay, so I want to back up a little bit to before you were a happiness coach. And I'm curious around, well, I have a couple of questions around this. I think that sometimes we get into career paths that while we want to be of service to others are also the thing we need most ourselves. And I'm wondering if that was the case for you, because I know that back before you were a happiness coach, you have had struggles around being filled with crippling fear and anxiety and panic. So can you take us back to what that's looked like throughout the course of your life and where that kind of began and how you got there? Well, I do find life interesting in the fact that Even my own counselor slash spiritual mentor who's been in my life for probably 15 years has sometimes said, like, you know, Kim, when you decided to reincarnate here on the earth, you chose to do really hard things, to have some really challenging experiences. Like you decided you were just going to do it all in one life, you know, and I sometimes feel like that because I've dealt with many, many, many difficult situations. But when I look back, Sarah, I also know that the person I am today and the happiness coach standing before you absolutely would not be here without those struggles. So the way I describe it is I was a super, and you can tell by just listening to my voice, right? I talk fast, I move fast, like I'm a nervous bundle of energy. (laughs) You're basically my twin. (laughs) You don't have red hair, but other than that, we're the same. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like I don't do anything slow. And so when I was young, I had like these nervous issues. Like I remember in the fifth grade, my mom and dad wanted to take me and my two brothers who were younger than me to Disney World. And I was like, no, I can't go because my brothers might get lost. And my parents were like, what is wrong with our fifth grade daughter? And I was like, the only way I'm going is if I can have one of those leashes that I tie to my wrist and I tie to my brother's wrist and then I'll go. And my parents were like, holy shit, we got to get this girl into counseling. Like, this is not normal. You know, we're good parents. We know how to take care of our kids. And she's refusing to go because she's afraid her brothers are going to get lost at Disney World. And so like that just kind of continued. Like it transferred into other things. Like in junior high, I was super scared that I kind of developed this 
anxiety disorder where if my dad didn't arrive home by 6 p.m., I knew he had had a terrible wreck and he had died and I had lost my dad. And so, yeah, it was just crazy. It was like it continued to transform into new things. And I remember then my mom was like, you know, again, we need to get you some help because the way that your brain is processing things, you're in a constant state of anxiety. Still, though, I was still managing all of it just fine. I was a fully functioning, you know, young kid. But what happened was my sophomore year of high school, I started to have these terrible feelings come on where I would just out of nowhere feel like I was out of my body, not really connected to the earth, disoriented, about to pass out, confused. And at the time, Sarah, they absolutely did not know that this was panic disorder. Like they thought I had low blood sugar. Then they diagnosed me with complex partial seizures. And so long story short, from about the age of 16 for the next probably, gosh, eight or 10 years of my life, my world became extremely limited because I didn't know that I had panic disorder. I just knew like in my head Like I was screwed up. Like I couldn't do normal things that people my age should be able to do. So I went to college. I quit after a year because I was a nervous wreck being away from my parents' house. Then, you know, next thing you knew, I was struggling to like drive my car five minutes into town to work. I was struggling to go to Walmart. I was struggling to go inside Walmart. It got so bad, Sarah, that I literally struggled to walk to my mailbox. It was like the darkest time of my life because inside of me I had this like amazing energy and I wanted to go out into the world and be this independent person but I had all of these like limitations and I did not understand them and so the way that I describe a panic attack to people the best description I can give okay so I tell this story like across the country when I'm doing motivational speaking engagements and I'm like if I were to put you on a railroad track And I was to tell you that there's a train that is going to come at you at 300 miles per hour. But then I say to you, I promise that that train will stop. It won't stop until it's an inch before your nose, but it will stop and you're completely safe. So if I put you on that train track and that train comes at you and stops, you know how you feel like you would feel dread. You would feel like you were going to pass out. You would start to shake all over. You would feel unattached. That is the kind of stuff that happens to me. But the problem is there's no train, right? you know? And so in your mind, you know, when you almost have a wreck and you feel yourself like, (gasps) you know, but you know, it's because you almost had a wreck or your brain can logically say, oh, I felt like that because I just got super scared because a car almost ran into me or a train almost hit me. So for somebody like me, that just would happen for no reason at all. So then your brain starts going, well, you must be crazy. You must be crazy because you think you need help and there's no danger around you and you're really perfectly safe. And so that kind of started this like downhill spiral of just self-loathing, not understanding what was wrong with me, not being able to function as what I would say like a normal adult person should. And so it was just soul sucking. And I tell people like, I do remember the moment, Sarah, I remember, I do. I remember laying on my bathroom floor. My husband had just gone to work, which was totally anxiety ridden. Like if he left 
20 minutes before I did in the morning, there I was by myself. And so I'd start feeling panicky and scared and like I needed help. And so that was just terrible suffering for me until I could get in my car and drive myself to five minutes to work where I'd be around other people. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. And so like, I remember just my little teeny tiny bathroom. I remember the, do you remember like the forest green and burgundy colors back in the nineties that were yes. popular? So this yes. was like one of those green rugs. Really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My green rug. And I just like remember getting myself down in a fetal position and it was an all time low for me. I just kind of pleaded with God and I was like, I well, I'm just going to say it, Sarah. I just wanted him to take my life. Mm. I just did. I just said every minute of every damn day is a total struggle for me. And I just want relief. I just want to die. I just want to be gone, you know, and just like, just take me because I don't have the courage or whatever to do it myself, obviously, or whatever you want to call it. But I just needed to be relieved because it was becoming so bad that every minute of every day, was just hell for me. Wow. And I laid there and I always say like, like I do, Kim Strobel has this thing about her. I always say this as if I'm talking to myself and another, mm -hmm. but like there is a fire in me that refuses to give up. And I remember either hearing or thinking, you know, you don't know at the time if it's divine guidance, but there was something that said like, 
you are supposed to do more with your life. So get up off that mat and start taking control of your life. You know, get help, do what you need to, but you are meant to do more with your life. And I don't know if that was an invitation from the universe. I'm not sure. I just know that I got up off that bath mat and I became one determined young woman. And I started to get help. I went to the doctor. They finally gave me a diagnosis of panic disorder. They put me on Zoloft, which I believe saved my life. You know, I went from having 25 panic attacks a day to having zero. 25 a day? Oh, it was constant. It was a constant loop of terrible panic. You know, it would end and then it would start up again or... I was working as a secretary at the prosecutor's office and everybody would leave for lunch and I would be by myself and then here it would come on again. And you just loathe yourself. You Mm -hmm. think, my gosh, I'm 23 years old and I can't be left alone. Like two-year-olds are functioning better than me, right? Right. Two-year-olds can go to Walmart and they'll actually like go around the corner away from their mommy. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even freaking do that, you know? Yeah. So Um, this was over the course of 10 years. So I really, yeah, I feel like I suffered greatly for like, probably, I would say I was in full blown panic for a good eight years before I got a proper diagnosis. Yeah. And, and it was mostly triggered by being alone, it sounds like. If I was alone, it was for sure. Because if I'd start to feel funny, you know, if I knew my husband was there or my coworkers were there, then I wasn't as scared. I might still be having like a small one, but I could at least be like, hey, I need help. Whereas if I was by myself, I just thought I was going to lose my mind, you know, and it comes on like you feel like that within one second, like within mm-hmm. one second, you're full of the most terror you can even imagine. And so I always felt like if someone was around me, they could at least help me if yeah. I started to feel that way. And is the cause of something like this, is it a neurological, like brain chemistry? Is it caused by trauma? Like what did did your doctors give you any indication as to why this was happening? Yeah. So my doctor actually explained that the chemicals in my brain, there's a synapse in the neural transmitters that need to be balanced. They're not all jumping over that synapse. And so Mm -hmm. they're not, so the chemicals on the other side of the brain are causing it to be like chemically imbalanced. But then what happens is when you have a panic attack, it becomes more than just chemicals. Then you're the one that starts having them because you fear the fear of the panic attack. So then you're like, oh my God, I don't want to have another panic attack. Oh my gosh, am I feeling funny? Do things look weird? Do I feel? And then you've caused yourself to have another one because you're so it's like fear of fear. You're so scared of having the fear. And so he explained it to me. And really, to be honest with you, he put me on Zoloft and within six weeks, Sarah, now, you know, we can talk about this later because I've still struggled somewhat with them. But within six weeks, my life did a 360 degree turn around. Like I was able just to be myself again, because literally they stopped like they stopped. Mm. But also During that time, I was in such distress that that is what catapulted me into the self-help field before anybody else was doing self-help. Like, I feel like I was struggling so much that I did several things. I got myself on medicine 
I went to counseling and had cognitive behavior therapy done. And so just to give you an example of what that looked like, yeah. you know, so I had a therapist and I had to do exposure therapy. So for example, when everybody left the prosecutor's office for lunch, I would go in my boss's office and I would sit in his chair and I would spin myself to make the feelings of dizziness come on so that I could make those feelings come on and then like realize that I was going to survive and that it would be okay. So it's like called exposure therapy. It's like where you force yourself to do these things so that you understand that you're really not in danger. So I did an interview with a doctor. Her name is Dr. Jenny Yip. And she was talking about OCD and anxiety. And she talked about exposure therapy and OCD. And it was so fascinating. And but she was like, yeah, like, this is what you have to do if you really want to get over things, you know, and I think yeah. CBD therapy does the same thing. But is it CBD therapy? Cognitive behavior. Uh, OCD. Oh, it's CBD. Yeah. Cognitive okay. behavior. Right, when I said CBD, I was like, wait, is it CBD oil? Yeah, like, that might help too, girl. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it was fascinating that like this exposure therapy, which you would think would be the most terrifying thing is actually one of the most healing things. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. So like another one of my assignments from my therapist was like, you're going to get in your car and you're going to drive five minutes to Walmart which just doing that, if you would have said like, I can either chop your arm off, Kim, or you can drive five minutes to Walmart, I've been like, take the damn arm like wow. that, you know, but then not only that, but you're going to walk in that store, Kim, and you're going to walk to the back of the store and you're going to touch the wall and then you can leave. And I mean, oh my gosh, Sarah, it was so hard. I mean, and even today, like, you know, I had a relapse of panic about six months ago. And so even today, I just never ever in 20 years leave Walmart and don't like lift my head to the sky and say like, thank you that that was easy. If it was yeah. easy that day, you yeah. know, like 20 people are leaving Walmart and being like, that was so easy. Thank you. <laughs> right, right. Wow. This is so fascinating. And I'm sure there's people, you know, people who can't relate. This is just like awe inspiring to listen to your story and people who can relate this is such a gift for people to not feel alone because I'm imagining that you felt so alone and like no one understood what this was like as you were going through this. Oh, I did. I felt fatally flawed. I had self-loathing. I had very low confidence. I obviously had depression, I think from it and nobody could give me answers for so long. So I really just thought I was just screwed up in my head. Like yeah. I'm just a crazy person, yeah. you know, I may be crazy still, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. And I have some OCD as well. So like that's, I think, a little bit of a component mm. that has come, you know, out of this. It's like this whole symptom picture. I have a homopathy doctor out in California that I work with now. So even though I still take Zoloft, I believe that like I did all these things like I did cognitive behavior therapy. I got on Zoloft. I dove like into the self-help realm in a way that I was like a woman on fire with it. So I did all this internal work and then I got myself a homopathy doctor out in California. And so she really for 15 years has been working like at a curative level because we know that underneath this panic is multiple layers, right? Like mm. multiple things, whether it's like my genetics or just the way that my brain works or other internal issues. And so we continue to work for like, you know, an overall healing of yeah. this uh, rather than just being like, you're going to have, and I might have it for the rest of my life and I might take Zoloft for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's possible that like I'm curing it as well uh, yeah. through homopathy. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. So remind me, or tie us back into the time frame here. This went on for eight years until you got diagnosed. And now what has been the time lapse since then? And how are things today? Okay. So I'm going to guess that at like age 23 or 24 is when I started to get some counseling help and got on my antidepressant. And then And right before that, Sarah, I had forced myself to go back to college. I mean, Mm -hmm. even with the panic, I forced myself to go back to college. And so I worked full time at the prosecutor's office. He let me come in from like 4 a.m. to 1 p.m. to get my hours in. And then I would go to school from like 2 p.m. till midnight. Okay. Holy cow. I know. (laughs) I know. That's very rigorous. Yeah. But like I had to do it. So I had to work full time. You know, I was married. I had to work full time and earn a paycheck, but I also wanted to go back to school. So that was the only way to do it. And I did all that with freaking anxiety somehow. It was terrifying. But then, okay, so I got on Zoloft and it started to become easy to go back and forth to school. And so I I actually, here was my biggest fear was like, I'm never going to be able to have kids. I mean, I I was going to take care of myself. And can you (laughs) be on Zoloft in pregnancy? Yeah, yeah, I was the whole time. Okay, so you didn't, at least you didn't have that barrier. Yeah, right. I couldn't breastfeed, but I could, yeah. So as I was, remember crying, like, how am I ever going to have a kid? I am 22 years old and I can't stay home by myself and I'm going to have a kid, you know? So like that was really disheartening for me. I didn't, at the time, I didn't see a way around it. But then, like I said, things started to level out. And I would say from age like 25 till... Well, I'm 45 right now. So let's say from 25 until about fall of this past year, it has been pretty darn smooth. And what I mean by that is I still have these little periods every now and then where I might have a panic attack, maybe one or two a year. But I was just continuing to work with my homeopathy doctor and it never really was this you know, huge ordeal, or I pick myself up a lot quicker than I would before. So I have like these little bitty bouts throughout the years, but nothing that made me not be able to take care of my children, you know, not be able to go to Walmart with them, nothing like that. You know, and I'm traveling across the country by myself and I'm stepping on stages of like thousands of people in the crowd. And let me just tell you, Sarah Dean, I am the girl who stood in her 10th grade speech class in front of 22 kids and shook so bad that I could not read my note card. Okay. Aww. But the, yeah, right. So like God has this crazy sense of humor and he's like, I'm going to take the girl that can't walk to her mailbox and I'm going to put her on a stage. In front of that. <laughs> you know, like nobody would have dreamt that I had that ability to do that, which is why I always tell people that we have like this amazing potential inside of us. We just don't even know it's there. You know, like there's so much potential that's hidden inside of us. And we just kind of tell ourselves, well, I'm not good at that or I'll never be good at that. But honestly, look at the girl who could not give a speech in her 10th grade class because she did have panic disorder and she was really shy. And look at what that girl does now as her like zone of genius. And so my point of that particular story is, what hidden gems reside inside of all of us that are just waiting to be birthed, you know? So anywho, let's just go to the freaking meltdown that happened last fall. Yes. That was my next question. I was like, are we going to talk about this last fall? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So it was September 24th. I had been in Evansville, Indiana, which is about an hour away. 
I gave this amazing presentation on growth mindset to 40 educators. I was on fire. I was happy. I was excited. I'm driving home and I get about, about 15 minutes on the road. So I'm 45 minutes from home and like the biggest freaking panic attack that I had had in 20 years came on and it lasted for like 25 or 30 minutes. And I was in complete terror. Like I'm driving. I think like things around me look funny. I feel feelings of unreality. I know where I am, but I don't know. Like all of those awful feelings that I had in my teens and twenties, they were there. It was terrible. And I was doing things like I would try to call my friend. I was too embarrassed to tell her what was happening, but I felt like if I could just talk to somebody, you know, maybe I could make it through. I pulled over on the side of the road and had like diarrhea. I was, it was just terrible. And so long story short, what that gigantic freaking panic attack, it sent me down a really dark road. And I just began to struggle. I, Anytime my husband left the house, I started to feel like, like it just was this catalyst. All came like, back. It like, all freaking came back, Sarah. And I was scared to death, you know, because I have two businesses that require me to get on planes and fly and drive to an airport. Even driving in town to go to my spin class was just I can't even believe it, but it just all came back. And so I tell people, I don't know exactly what contributed to it. There were a couple of things going on in my personal life. And I always tell Rachel Rogers that, you know, I had just joined her million dollar badass program. I mean, that is enough to give one a panic attack. I mean, honestly, I blamed her last week. I'm like, it is no coincidence that three weeks before that I had joined your million dollar badass program. Like what is going on here? But I was running Strobel education full time, which was requiring a lot of time and pressure And then I added the whole Rachel Rogers thing and was like, you know what? I'm really meant to empower women. I am going to go headstrong on kimstrobel.com. I'm going to create an online course for women who are ready to like rediscover themselves and find their confidence and step into their authentic power and follow their passions. And that required me to work like another 40 hours. Mm. So I don't know. It was a combination of everything. But I'm going to tell you what, from the end of September, all the way till February 1st, I was creating my online, you know, happiness program for women. And I was the most freaking unhappy of my life. Oh my gosh. And this is so common. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? laughing in the face of motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. This happens so often when we watch people do things and we're watching from the outside looking in. We're like, oh my gosh, they're doing everything. They have everything. It's amazing. They're like, if only I could live a day in their life or a day in their shoes. And the reality is all, and not, I mean, not to minimize what was happening to you, because I don't think the reality is that it's always crippling panic, but the reality is that like, there's always stuff going on in the background and we never see the whole story or the whole picture. And we just assume that things are like all roses and rainbows and that's exactly. Yeah. And I feel like even like my social media presence is so strong that people like see me getting on airplanes. They see me stepping onto these big stages and they're just like, Oh my gosh, Kim Strobel is like the bomb. Like, look at her. Like, Oh my gosh. People will tell me like, I just want to be Kim Strobel. And so like, I was really adamant in my women rising Facebook group, you know, where, you know, you people can ask to join that. It's just for women who want to kind of rise up in their life and need some support. But I was like going in there, like with my headband and saying, right now, people, I'm struggling to drive to Walmart. Mm. I'm struggling to be at home when my husband leaves. I feel ashamed. I feel embarrassed. I feel scared. I don't understand it. I'm going back to all of my tools. I've dug out all of my anxiety books. I'm, you know, I'm going back and doing the damn work, but I am terrified right now. So I'm going to keep doing my work. I'm going to keep creating this course. I guess I was scared, but I also knew, Sarah, that I had tools and tips and tricks that I didn't have 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I wasn't going to be in this for eight years, or at least I hope I wasn't going to be. You said until February 1st. So what happened on February 1st? (laughs) I got done with that damn course. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think I did complete the course. I could breathe again. Mm. I had become a student again of my own recovery. I think, you know, it just took me time. And I am not like 100% back to where I was. I mean, yeah, I did just fly to Waco, Texas. And I just did the keynote for a Google summit. And I did all of that exceptionally well. But that doesn't mean that when I landed in the airport, I didn't all of a sudden feel really nervous, but I was okay, you know. And so I think I just had to go back and apply all the tools. And then the other thing I think of is this, Sarah. So the happiness coach would not be the happiness coach if she had not endured all this pain and suffering. Yes. So I also kind of felt like the universe was saying, like, if you really need to show up for these women, perhaps I need to take you down this dark road again, Mm -hmm. just so that you can refine your skills Mm -hmm. and you can meet your people also where they are, you know? 
I don't know. It, I think that happens a lot. And I think that it's really, really valuable when we have to face our own demons in order before we can serve others or in the process of serving others. I mean, if we walk that path on our own, then we can walk a mile in someone else's shoes anytime they come to us and say, this is what I'm going through. And we yeah. can be like, yes, like I've been there and I've been there recently and I know what that feels like. And I, here's what works for me and all those kinds of things. And I think that's so much more valuable than just saying like, well, when I was doing, getting my degree and studying the research on blah, 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 here's what they said. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. Like, I think I loathed and hated my panic attacks and maybe still do at times. But I also know 100% that they have been one of the biggest teachers in my life. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I want to talk a little bit about your work in happiness coaching. And can you tell us how we can retrain our brain toward happiness, which I'm imagining you have done a lot of retraining of your brain. I have. And let me just tell you, Sarah Dean, I wake up every day excited to live my life. I really do. I mean, I do believe I have a different lens through which I see the world now because of my suffering. So like I said, I don't leave Walmart without being like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You know, So yeah, well, okay, so here's the happiness research. I always feel like I'm more than a happiness coach, but I think happiness is a big part of it because what we know is that when we can get your brain at positive versus negative, neutral, or stressed, okay, that you will actually see like a 31% increase in productivity levels, which is like why we go into the corporate world and we teach happiness and well-being to employees because I mean, think about it. How many people's brains are at negative, neutral, or stressed a lot of the time? And then that really does impact our ability to be productive in all areas of our life. Right. So I tell people, it's based on Sean Aker's research and Sonia Lubomirsky, who wrote The Howl of Happiness. But if you think of happiness, like everybody has what they call a happiness baseline level. All right. So mine might be at a certain spot and maybe your baseline, Sarah, is higher than mine. And so what happens is you and I will get the new job promotion or we'll go out and buy a new purse or a new pair of shoes or something good will happen in our life and our happiness level will rise for a certain period of time, but then it almost always resets back to Mm -hmm. where it was before. And what's really interesting is the research is just as strong for when you're dealing with traumatic events. And so like they did these studies on paraplegics and it was something crazy. Like after two years after the accident, most paraplegics happiness levels went back to almost where they were before the accident. Oh, interesting. So the brain has this uncanny ability to kind of recalibrate to its baseline over time. So where does that baseline come from? So let's talk about that. Are you ready for this? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. 50% of your long-term happiness is genetic. It comes from your mom or your dad or a mixture of both. And sometimes when I tell people this, they hang their head and they're like, I'm so screwed. Right. (laughs) This is so interesting. And also, well, okay, so I feel like that's disempowering, too. (laughs) Yeah, because like, okay, so I love my mom so much, but my mom has a very low baseline level of happiness. And so I always joke, like, how did Mary Jo birth the happiness coach, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
so yeah, but you know, we see this there. Like we maybe work with people in the same jobs or we have friends who are dealing with the same stresses that we are, you know, trying to manage the kids and trying to manage the household and everything that we're responsible for. And some people just kind of are like la di da di da. They like go with the flow. And then there's others of us that are like popping our Zoloft and we're breaking out in hives. Like some people just have a natural tendency to be able to deal with things better. Okay. And they just have a happier disposition about them, but that's only 50%. And I actually now believe that we can even change our genetics, but we won't have time to get into that today. So I want you to think of happiness as a pie chart. So if 50% of your long-term happiness is genetic, then 10% and only 10%, my friends, only 10% is your external circumstances. Oh. Now, what do I mean by that? Only 10% of your long-term happiness is, are you married, divorced, or widowed? Do you have kids or don't you have kids? Do you make a lot of money or do you make a little money? What kind of job do you have? What kind of house do you live in? What kind of stressors do you have in your life? It is only responsible for 10% of your long-term happiness. And what this means is that we, we allow it to take up way more than 10% of the pie. Right. So for example, when my son's basketball team lost regional this year, that's an external circumstance. And I'm going to tell you right now, I could not let that go for two weeks. Like it stole my damn joy for two, three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I'm not saying that we don't have Obviously, when you go through a divorce, it's going to affect your happiness for a while, you know, but I'm talking about long term happiness and the body's ability. And so if you think of 10 percent being external circumstances, then that puts the responsibility back on us. Are we allowing these things that research and science has vetted that said really only contribute to 10 percent? Are we allowing it to be more than that? Right. And then I have to throw this in. Are you ready? I'm ready. The research says that when you become a parent, you become less happier. (laughs) Great. (laughs) You're not making this easy. This is not an easy sell on all this happiness stuff. I know. know. Let me tell you why. (laughs) So they have found that when you become a parent, your happiness levels drop a little bit. Now, this does not mean that you don't have more joy because I have so much more joy because I have children. I have so much meaning in my life because Mm. I have children. But let's be honest, Sarah, you are stressed the hell out for the rest of your (laughs) life when you have children. Totally. Which is why your damn happiness level drops just a little bit. That makes sense. Isn't it freeing to know that? (laughs) So if we have 50% is genetic, 10% is external circumstances. So is the other 40% and then some of it goes down from having kids? No, that's the part that gives me the most hope. Okay. Okay. So 50% is genetic, 10% is your external circumstances. That leaves 40% of the pie. And that's the part I have focused on for the last 20 years. Every single one of us, Sarah, has the ability, regardless of our genetics, regardless of our external circumstances, we all have the ability to increase our happiness levels by up to 40%. And girlfriend, let me just tell you, I believe that that's what I have done. So my baseline is much higher now because I have happiness habit practices in my life. 
I've worked on that 40%. Mm. So tell us what your happiness habits are and how can we borrow them? (laughs) Yeah, well, so mine, really, mine come right out of the research. So again, Sonia Lubomirsky, Sean Aker, all of these people who have studied this, Martin Seligman. So I want to give you the top five, okay? okay? So the first one is to adopt a gratitude practice. I would say get yourself a gratitude journal. I love going to TJ Maxx. They have really cute gratitude journals. I usually buy them in bulk. And so every day... I start out with the date and then I put at the top, I am thankful. And then for me, I list out 10 things that I am thankful for every single day. But the research says you don't have to do 10. The research says that if you were to pick three things and you were to write them down every day for 21 days. Now, granted, they need to be three different things for 21 days, that you actually rewire the circuitry in your brain. And the feedback loop changes. Because what happens is when you have a focus on all that's good in your life, then that is what starts to pop out. You start to see it. Like when I'm on my run this morning, I'm like, I saw the most beautiful butterfly in front of me. And I was just like thankful for it. I pay attention because my brain is wired to pick up on all that's right. Yes. Yeah. So gratitude practice. Another one is to move your body. Of course, you know this, right? Your body, physical exercise. The third one is random acts of kindness. And so that's just like that doesn't have to be giving gifts to people. It's just like sending someone a smile, greeting them. You know, I was at Walmart recently and you're going to laugh, but the lady was super fast at checking me out. And when you're someone who has panic disorder, like you appreciate a woman who can check you out super fast. Okay. And she was like so efficient and so good. And I just looked at her and I said, you are so good at your job. And she like started to tear up and she said, I've been here 22 years and nobody's ever told me that. Oh my gosh. She's a cashier. Wow. You know, so like random acts of kindness. I would challenge like all your people listening right now. I would challenge them to stop what they're doing and to hit pause on your podcast and to text someone in their life and just say, hey, I appreciate you. This is why you're important to me. Like make yourself do it because that's a random act of kindness and you will be amazed at the response you get back just by lifting someone else up, it causes a ripple effect to happen, you know? So gratitude, exercise, random acts of kindness. The fourth one is meditation, you know? And I'll be honest, this is the one I'm- We all wanna find out that that's not true. Do I really have to meditate? I really don't wanna, like when can we just get over this whole meditation? I know, let me tell you what, here's what I tell people. I run 30 miles a week, okay, because I am high strung. I cycle about 30 miles a week. I have a meditation practice because even after all of that physical exertion, I'm still like batshit crazy most of the time, (laughs) you know? And so it's like, I had to learn meditation just to calm my ass down. Right. (laughs) You know, I mean, I really did. And so I love Deepak Chopra's Ananda app. Have you heard of it? No. Can you? Oh my gosh. Ananda. Yeah. I'll tell it for you. So it's A-N-A-N-D-A. Okay. And I think I pay eight bucks a month for it, but it's like a daily meditation. And what I love is he'll start out with like three minutes of 
explaining like today's meditation is on abundance and look around you like he kind of gives you this guided little tutorial for about three or four minutes and then he sends you straight into the meditation okay yeah and so yeah and then then the fifth one is just journaling about one great experience that you've had over the past 24 hours because what that does is if you can like journal one positive experience you've had over the last 24 hours, what it does is it allows your brain to relive it. So it increases your oxytocin levels, it gets your neural transmitters flowing again, and it just helps you feel like that overall well-being and happiness. So those are five of the strongest like research-based happiness habits, and I'm pretty diligent about practicing those. So good. I will say I have sucked on the whole meditation thing. I'm at about 50% right now on the home. I don't know what's going on with me. I need it so badly. And then that's the first thing I toss out of the door time wise, you know, well, it's and- inter- but I think that's really common. And I also think that doing any of them, like to tell someone like integrate these five new habits, like that's a lot, right? But if you integrate one or two of them, Okay. And get those going for a while. If that can get you 10 or 20% happier, and then you can integrate the other ones down the road. Yeah, this is what I want to tell your people because, first of all, some of the people who they just heard me just randomly say, Oh, I run 30 miles. They're ready to slit my throat just right there. <laughs> right, right. You know? Oh, this is what I do, you know? But I tell people this you have to set yourself up for success. So I want your people to pick one and only one. And I want them to do that for 21 days. Mm. And then after 21 days, I want them to pick another one. And I want them to add that because it is overwhelming. You know, I teach my people all the time. Like if we want you to truly make this a discipline and a part of your life, then we can't just go like batshit crazy with it. We have to like implement it slowly and get used to one and then we'll add another. Okay. Because we want this to actually be an ongoing practice in your life. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So, so much good stuff here. I want people to definitely try that, to take one habit, implement it for 21 days. Let us know how it goes. I love this. Okay. So what I want to know now is how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? And talk for a minute maybe about, because I know your role in motherhood is transitioning right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Big time. So, okay. So what do you mean a little bit by a shameless mom? Tell me a little more about So how are you showing up as a shameless mom, whatever that might mean to you? And how is your role in your mother? I know your role in motherhood is changing because your son just graduated. And so what does motherhood look like for you right now? And how are you approaching that through that shameless lens? Okay. So my three older kids are actually my stepkids. And so I have one biological child and Spencer just graduated from high school and he is headed to Indiana University. And so for me, this has been like a huge transition over the last 19 years of his life because, you know, I feel like we are our kids world, but if you have a boy around the age between 12 and 14, like they start to loathe you. (laughs) (laughs) And I've told you about this. I'm like, yes, yes, you've warned me. I'm prepared. (laughs) Yeah. And so like he just started to identify totally with my husband and he kind of had to loathe his mama. And then I started to read about it. And I was like, this is what they go through. They do go through this phase, some of them. And then they come back, which he has come back to his mama. I mean, he loves both of his parents very much. But for me, I have had to understand 
that in order for him to really grow into the human being and the independent person that I want him to be, that I need to deal with my own emotional stuff around all of that. It's really, you know, me. And I worry, I worry that like come August, it's going to be the demise of the happiness coach because her son's left for college. You know, right, <laughs> I'm right. like, you need to pick me up out of the gutter if that happens, Miss Sarah. <laughs> I will be here. But you know what? Here's the deal. I'm launching two businesses. I work a lot, you know, and he would have basketball. He wouldn't get in the door until like 7 p.m. So I have the freedom right now to work a lot and get these businesses built. But I want to tell you about a moment because I sometimes worry that I'm modeling to him that like his mom's this just super like go oriented driven person and she works all the time. So he came home from basketball one evening and I'm usually in my office working and he always comes back and gives me a hug and usually we'll go have dinner and all that then. But I would, I would work until he would come home and he put his arms around me, gave me a big hug. And I said, am I modeling for you that you just have to be overly ambitious and work hard all of the time? And he pulled me away and looked me straight in the eyes. And he said, first of all, my friends think that I have the happiest mama on earth. Oh, I love that. And second of all, you are showing me that it's okay to chase your dreams. Mm. <gasps> oh, Sarah. <laughs> I was just like, okay, here's the deal. Kids don't want a perfect mom. So if that's your goal, you need to toss that to the curb. Mm -hmm. They do not. They do not want a perfect mom. They want a happy mom. And for me, Sarah, that means I'm going to get a massage every week. It means I'm going to exercise six days a week. It's going to mean that he sees a mama who loves herself enough to know that she is more than a mama. Right. Oh, so good. So good, Kim. This is a great place to wrap up then. Oh my gosh. Thank you. This has been so amazing. And I appreciate your openness and honesty with your journey and especially sharing the last few months. I think it's not easy, but it's easier to go back and talk about like 20 years ago, this really hard thing happened because we're removed from it. And it's much more vulnerable to say like just a couple months ago, or I'm still in it right now, especially when your life behind the scenes maybe doesn't mirror the life that you're projecting. And so I appreciate you sharing all of that. And also ending on such a great note there with yeah. um, a valuable lesson about motherhood. So this has been amazing. I want you to tell people where we can find you, where all your stuff is happening and where people can reach out and connect with you, especially if there's people who really want to connect with you because they might have similar experiences and want to touch base with you on that. Yeah. So I do have a private Facebook group called Women Rising. And there's a couple of those out there, but you'll see me. I'm in the navy blue and polka dotted shirt in the image. And so that's just like a community that I offer for women who like are willing to be vulnerable, but are also like showing up and allowing themselves to be seen. And so it's a really supportive Facebook community. I do live videos in there every week. I do real talk and we just really support and lift one another up. So the Women Rising Facebook group is one. And then if you go to kimstrobel.com, you can actually get on my email list and I do what I call joy drops every Friday. And so I send like a happiness tip or a struggle 
that I'm having or I might share a vulnerability. And then that's also where you can find out about my Rise Up program. And that starts July 15th. And so we are in launch mode right now. We are enrolling women who are willing to go deep and really rediscover who they are and how they want to show up in the world. So I love it. Yay. I'll have all that linked up in the show notes so people can reach out, connect with you and stalk you, et cetera. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. I yes. just love this. Our conversation just flows so naturally and it feels good just to state my truth. So thank you for giving me the platform to do that. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Kim. I adore you so much. So I really appreciate you being here and sharing all your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 